I have to buy all these items for the classroom and I'll never get paid back. I've got a right to complain. Okay. All right, two announcements to begin this week. For one of them, you're going to say, Greg, that is awesome. For the other one, you're going to say, Greg, you have lost your mind. So let's start with the awesome one. I forgot to mention this last week. Two Tuesdays ago, two Tuesdays ago, we are recording this. This is actually going to be the June 6, 2021 episode Two Tuesdays ago, we broke our one-day record as far as podcast downloads. We had, you know, a really good day, I've told you, is 100 downloads a day. We usually average between 60 and 70, but some of those days were 20. Depends on what day of the week, like Fridays, for instance. People are doing a lot of things on Fridays, Weekends, you don't have quite as much because people are outside. And let's face it, as a general rule, people listen to podcasts while they're in their car or on a device walking or in the gym or something like that. That's usually when they listen to them. So you can just about figure out the pattern. Two Tuesdays ago, we had over 400 downloads in one day. And Buzzsprout, my uh, podcast publisher, they have a lot of good analysis tools to use. So I was curious. I knew it wasn't just the most recent episode because it hadn't crossed 400 yet. It had just been out, you know, just barely 24 hours. But I looked back at the episodes and it was a little bit everywhere. It was like six or seven downloads of several different episodes of the podcast. And the reason that's exciting, that means we're gaining new subscribers and those subscribers listen to multiple episodes of the podcast. They liked it enough that they were catching up. So that was exciting. We have crossed the 25,000 download mark. Is it Joe Rogan territory? Nope, but we're not Joe Rogan. That's not what we're going for. We are going for advice for substitute teachers So I appreciate all of you new listeners. I appreciate all of you listeners that have been around for a while. It's obvious, you know, those of you that are my first 50 downloads, those, those usually happen pretty quick. And I know you are my super people. I know that regardless of what you got going on, you will download the episode of that podcast and listen to it. I can tell that by the stats. So I'm very excited to have you around. I consider you my top-notch people from a standpoint. If you're listening that often, I know you like it. I know you may be telling others about it. I would encourage all of you to do that, and we'll get this thing up in higher and higher numbers as we go along. My second announcement, it's summer break. No, that's not the announcement. I'm writing a book. Now, you all probably know, I, you've heard me talk about, I wrote a book three years ago before I started substitute teaching because I wanted to write something from a religious standpoint, but not religious. It's called Religiously Speaking. It's about not being judgmental mainly. So I wrote that, got it listed on Amazon. 
I then published some of the transcripts of the first few episodes of this podcast. It's called Substitute Teacher's Lounge. So that's on Amazon as well. But something that I've always wanted to do is to write a novel. And you know why? Because I'm a little bit crazy. I have a lot of weird thoughts a lot of times, a lot of strange scenarios. And I'm, every time I think, man, the great thing about writing a novel versus writing something that you really want to make sure that you fact check and get everything correct is a novel. You can pretty much write whatever you want to. If it's in your mind, write it down. And it's really kind of exciting. I'll be honest. I've written the first three chapters. This is going to take me at least all summer. But I think you'll be interested in it because it is school-based. It has some of my experiences as I've substitute taught Fold it into the novel. Now, obviously, it's a novel, so I'm going to embellish it. And all. don't worry, those of you that think you recognize yourself in my story, that's not true because most of them are like a combination of things that I have come across that I've just kind of written into one character. But I'm very excited about it. It is very much something that I want to be a able to appeal to both the students and especially the, not especially, but the students and the teachers, it will appeal to those groups probably more than just the average Joe on the street. But I look forward to that. I will keep you posted on my progress. It's kind of cool because I've, I've fallen into the pattern that I know I'll, it's working out better that I write one day and then chill one day because what happens on my chill day is I rethink some of the things that I was going to write about, and I think, you know, this is probably going to sound better, or this will make this story more interesting. I know where I'm going with the story. I actually have in my head the different things I'm going to fold into that, but I'll keep you posted how that go- that's going, and we'll go from there. All right, teachers and substitute teachers You have picked a career, probably, in my opinion, a career that there's no doubt you went into it because of your love of education and your love of working with children, more so than the pay. Because I don't think too many people will argue if there was ever a job that is underpaid, it's teachers. They do so much more that they never get credit for. It doesn't match what they have to go through on a daily basis, and we are certainly appreciative of that. But even beyond that, you're faced with an opinion, with the decision that you have to do some things that you really don't want to do, but you'll do it for the love of those kids. And today, we're going to talk about out-of-pocket expenses. Now, I'm going to get something out of the way first from a tax standpoint, and I can't imagine there's any teacher out there that doesn't already know that, but good old IRS allows educators to deduct up to $250 of unreimbursed expenses 
off of their taxes. I shouldn't say off of their taxes. And by all means, talk to your tax person about this if you don't know that much about it. But basically, it's expenses that go into your school that the school will not repay you for. It's not really an itemization either. You, you've heard of itemized deductions. a little bit different now given the tax changes back when the uh, Trump administration first started. And of course, you know, just about every administration is going to tweak the taxes just a little bit. But I can't imagine this $250 educator expense version every, ever going away. You can basically take $250 off. You don't have to put it on your itemized deductions. It actually goes on a certain place on your tax return, and it reduces the income, and you don't have to pay the taxes on $250 of what you've spent. Now, I'll be honest with you. I see what my wife spends on an annual basis I see what I have spent just as a substitute teacher. And sorry, substitute teachers. I didn't mean to really say just as a substitute teacher because heaven knows all of you all are needed out there. But I've spent the 250 as well. Remember that about your taxes, but let's face it, a lot of times you have to spend more than that. Now, when you do that, you can complain but I would encourage you not to let it get under your skin. I have run across some teachers that I would just make a suggestion when I'd hear them talk about something that would cost a little bit of money that helped me. And some of them would just flat out say, no, I've already given enough to this school already. Okay, so I just kind of bow out of that conversation I don't jump down their throat and say, what are you talking about? It's for the kids. I wouldn't dare any say anything like that. But how should we consider out-of-pocket expenses? I'm going to get into some that I think are very necessary. Then I'm also going to get into the philosophical argument. Are these cost expenses or are they more investments? Even to the standpoint is it a bargain that we're buying these things? You think I'm crazy when I mention that word, but let's talk about it a little bit. Now, the old standards, we talk about bringing pencil and paper all the time. You'll tell the kids that. The teachers at the beginning of the year will tell that. When you're substitute teaching, you will tell them to get out pencil and paper, and inevitably, in fact, I would even say the majority ask if you have any paper. So, I'm guys, I'm telling you, even as a substitute teacher, buy some pencils and paper. I actually like, depending on what you're doing, you might want notebook paper, I actually like graph paper. One of the reasons, of course, is I'm a math teacher, and I it gets them used to working with graph paper, and then when we're actually doing graphs, it's easy for them. But, I mean, graph paper's got lines on it, too. For the most part with graph paper, if you copy it, and especially if the lines aren't that dark, those lines sometimes don't even show up. So you have to take that into consideration. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. You want them to show up in math class. Maybe you don't want them to show up as much, you know, when you're writing words and that type of thing. But think about that. 
you could complain and complain as much as you want about kids not having paper and pencil. But if you don't have something readily available for those kids and you have to figure out what they're going to write on, it is going to detract from the time in your class. So I would put pencils and paper into the category of buy it. It will pay off for you in the long run. It is sort of like an investment. It's a bargain. The time you're going to save in buying pencil and paper to have ready for those kids Keep it in a folder, carry it around in your substitute baggie, or if you're a regular teacher, make sure you have a supply where they can't get to it. You can only give them out as you see fit so that you don't waste them. Pencils and paper. I would also come up with a pencil sharpener. By the way, before I go any further, everything that I'm going to mention to you as I go down through here my list, everything I bought on Amazon I am one of those that I will shop around for something I need, but before I buy, I will always check on the price on Amazon, even if I have to punch it in my phone right there in the store. I will check that out. I'm a prime customer. You may think that sounds expensive, but combination of free two-day shipping and having resources like the music I like, the music I like to play in the classroom, some of the Prime videos that are available to you if you're a Prime customer. To me, that is a justified cost as well for those students. So pencils and paper, buy that on Amazon. You can get the exact kind of pencils you want. I think I bought a box of, a, what is it, gross, 144 I th- want to say it was just $8, so that's not bad at all, and that'll definitely get th- get you through at least one school year as a substitute teacher. So pencils and paper. I mentioned pencil sharpener. I bought one. I think I might have spent 20 bucks. I got it on sale. In fact, I, re- I know that I did. I bought it on Black Friday, and I got it for like half price, but the thing I liked about it, it's electric. They can get up and go sharpen their pencil, and it wasn't one of those that made a real loud noise. It was actually quiet enough that the students could still hear you talking over the pencil sharpener. And once the students got used to it, they realized it was the kind that you could just put your pencil down in and you didn't have to keep taking it out to see if it was sharp. The pencil sharpener itself stopped when the pencil was sharp. So Look for one like that that was well worth the investment so that you don't have to waste time trying to yell over a pencil sharpener, whether or not maybe you just stop when somebody's sharpening their pencil. That's a waste of time, too. So that is an investment that will reap dividends as well. And while you're at it, get you a a cheap stapler that is justified. You don't even need to get a cheap one because you can use it for more than just the classroom. You can use it at home. I actually use the stapler I bought for the classroom probably more to keep myself organized than stapling kids' papers together for them. There's things that I like to keep together in one place, and a staple always helps out because I don't like to stuff file folders, a bunch of file folders down in the briefcase that I carry back and forth from school. I like to have stapled packets and then, 
you know, if you want to put a post-it on it so you could see it from the top, that's another thing that you're going to want to buy, by the way, a stack of post-its to use in the classroom. All that, to me, was necessary expenses to keep my keep from keep the kids from driving me crazy because we could quickly overcome any kind of short term type situation and move on with the lesson we had for that day. I would also put dry erase markers on your list. There is not too many schools that you go to these days that aren't using the whiteboards in the classroom and I think every marker I've ever picked up was either faint or completely dry or non-existent because the teacher hid them from the students. So I, you know, it doesn't cost that much to buy a box of dry erase markers that you can keep in your own supplies, keep it away from the kids, unless you just want them to have fun with it one day at the end of class. And if you tell them to give it back to you, they're going to give it back to you, but I like to use those dry erase markers, have my own supply, get force myself to get into the habit of putting the caps back on so they draw, don't dry out. But again, I always have a supply of those. It is a necessary expense because if I go in there and I want to write on the whiteboard as a substitute teacher, even my name, so that they know my name, they know what to call me without feeling embarrassed and asking me what my name is. I'll put it up on the board And I like to have my own dry erase markers because I always keep them fresh and I know they'll be available for me. The last small thing that I'll mention, and then I'll get into three things that you're welcome to disagree with me on, but all the ones I mentioned previously, I think are necessities. I think they go beyond what you would call a cost and expense, and they're actually an investment or necessary so much that it's like a bargain. You get so much out of them that it's like a bargain to you. It's an investment to you. It it pays off in the long run because you don't have to waste as much time that, that way. The last one I'll mention that's cheap is index cards. Now, I always bought have bought a lot of index cards because when I give a talk either at a school function or a athletic event or or at my church, I like to put my notes on an index card. I don't write out a whole lot of things. You can tell that I'm enough of a talker that I could probably jot down six or seven bullet points and talk similar to the way I do this podcast and talk quite a bit on each bullet point so that I don't have to write down every little detail. I also need index cards when I referee volleyball. If you are the down referee, the one on the opposite side of the net from the referee's stand, you keep notes. You kind of jot down where every player is supposed to be. You need something nice and lined to keep yourself organized when you do that so that you know if you need to call a violation because they're not where they're supposed to be, you've got it right in front of you. But I'll be honest, uh, when I bought those index cards, I caught myself using them quite a bit in the classroom. Sometimes just little fun projects to give give an index card to each kid. I mean, it, they're cheap. So give them an index card. Maybe you'll play a game that the card will will come in handy for. Or maybe you will keep a supply on your desk for things. If you're like me, as you go through your day, you'll think of things that you want to remember for future classes. I always apologize 
a lot to the first class of the day because as I'm learning the material that I'm going to be teaching for that day and I try to share it with them, I realize what little tricks and tools that I use go over and what do not. So later classes, I've got that figured out. But that's the kind of thing that I would write down on an index card so when I get to the later classes, I know what I'm going to talk about. Now, the more expensive ones. Well, not the more expensive ones. Let's start with a cheap, controversial one because I know there's some of you out there that don't think you should buy treats for those kids to bribe them to learn. But to me, that's an investment because it is amazing how much just spending eight bucks on a big bag of candy. And I'll be honest with you, something I discovered this year, I like, you know, I had gotten in the habit. I like to treat them special. I would bring in a bag of chocolate. They wouldn't last very long and they were more expensive. And then I brought in like just a big bag of supplies that included Smarties. And I actually had a couple of kids say, hey, you brought in the good candy today. And it was the cheapest candy I could find. So don't think you have to spend a whole lot of money pleasing these kids to do something, answer questions. It is worth the investment. That will pay off. That's probably the smartest. I buy treats all the time because... I know all of a sudden that makes kids pay attention rather than me just yelling and insisting that they pay attention because that rarely ever works. Two big things, especially these days. Again, we're in June of 2021 if you're listening to this in the future. I hope you have a laptop. If you don't, save your pennies get you a laptop. There's all kinds of them out there. All price levels from a couple hundred dollars to I actually spent my last stimulus check on a little bit nicer one. I got a $2,100 laptop right around the $1,400 mark and spent my stimulus check on that. And I really like it. I carry it with me everywhere I go. And I I normally hook up my own laptop because you never know substitutes when you go into a classroom, if you're going to have access to the computer, if it's going to work the way you want it to work, if you're going to be able to log into it, always have a backup source with you. So that's the big ticket item that you need to buy for yourself one day. And again, the great thing is, is most of you already have laptops. You're used to going in the classroom and being prepared to work on a laptop, especially now, as I was saying, in our current day and time. The last one I'll mention, and you don't have to buy this. You might not say this is a good investment. I bought myself a nice high-definition webcam. We taught enough virtually last year that I got sick of either for a while I was using the in-classroom computer, which had no, it was a desktop, so it had no camera built into it. So I had to do something, and that's really why I bought it. But you can get a really nice webcam now for 30 bucks maybe, and you'll end up having fun with it and using it around your house and using for other things. If you're a TikToker, if you're an Instagrammer, all those kind of things that you like to get into right now. I know my sons are laughing at me for using TikTok and Instagram because they know I'm an old fogey and they think I don't really know what I'm talking about. So shout out 
to the my my children who are making fun of me right now using that as an example. But I podcast enough and I make enough videos for both school and my church that a nice quality webcam, a webcam, even if you have a good laptop, a a, a high-definition webcam is going to give you a much clearer, better picture than you're going to get otherwise. And I'm going to guess that many of you, when the fall 2021 school year begins, you're still going to be teaching virtual sometimes. Maybe it's a snow day, and instead of just calling it a snow day, maybe they're going to call it a virtual day in the future where you're actually not skipping class, you're just not coming into class, and you're teaching from your home, and the students are logging in on their computer because we're all used to it now. So get yourself a a webcam. That's it, basically. That's the end of my list. Those could very well all be out-of-pocket expenses you're not going to get reimbursed for, but I think they're really important, and I think you can complain as much as you want to that you have to buy these, but if you don't buy them, your complaint level and your time wasted will go up exponentially. So trust me on that one, okay? So out of pocket, it's not expenses, it's an investment.